Hey, hey, hey! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Musician's Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Mark, and today I have the privilege of speaking with fellow South African-born singer-songwriter, Nikki Williams. Nikki now resides in Nashville, Tennessee full-time. We'll talk about that in the interview. But she is responsible, or at least in part has been responsible for some of the biggest pop hits we've heard over the last few years, including Heart Attack by Demi Lovato and Like My Mother Does by Lauren Aliana. So I'm not going to blabber on. We're going to go straight to the interview. But I will say, as usual, please don't forget to give us a rating or review. It really helps us. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Nikki Williams. Hey, Nikki, how's it going? What's up? Good, good. What's up? <laughs> hey, did you oh, watch wow. Scary Movie with that? Uh, what's up? Oh, yeah. What's up? <laughs> what's up? I love that. <laughs> All right, Nikki, uh, what I typically do with these interviews is I usually ask my guest uh, every single time to give a brief introduction about themselves so that our listeners know kind of where you're coming from and a little bit about your background without us going into like every single detail. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell us who you are. Hello, everyone. I am Nikki Williams. I was born and raised in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, although now it's called something else that I can't pronounce. Um <laughs> Uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I've lived here for like 17 years, I think, approximately. Um, and yeah, and I do music for a living and I love it. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about what led you to end up in Nashville. What were some of the hardest parts about relocating for you? Honestly, um, I was I was about six. Was I sixteen? Oh, Lord, I can't do math. But um, it was actually just leaving all my friends from school. You know, my family just uh, they wanted to um, provide the opportunities for me, better opportunities for me to do music, and uh, you know, just kind of uh, escape some of the the crime. Um, and so it was just it was really tough because I like most of my family and friends um, live there. So, you know, being a teenager, it was, uh, I was not having it. I was upset. So it was a very big, you know, it's, it was tough. Um, and I don't know, I just, I was so angsty and just angry, just, you know, normal teenager stuff. And, you know, just starting a whole new life all over was really, really hard. Yeah, especially at that age. I mean, yeah. hormones running wild. You know, and, uh, you know, new person, new town where already there's like these clicks, you know, by, by sort of exactly. 16, 15, yeah, I didn't know anyone. Clicks, you know? I felt so like out of place. Everyone thought I was like, you know, like the shiny new toy, like, oh, they call me, hey, Africa, you know. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, um, I don't know, people make fun of my accent and, and they, they just really didn't know anything about like where I came from. Yeah. And so they just asked me, like, you know, like, like to this day, I still get asked those weird questions about having a lion pet. And, and I just say, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get to a point where it's easier to just agree. Yeah. And, I, and then people are just like, wow, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah, I built my own hut with my bare hands. <laughs> you know, I've got this I just great... Make up a car. <laughs> I've got this great picture of my brother and I. We were... 
I think we were in the Drakensberg somewhere, definitely towards that area. And we stopped, you know, we, 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 we kids, my parents took us on some kind of holiday and we stopped and there were all these huts that had been made by like, you know, the tribal people and stuff like that. And, yeah. and we can't be older than maybe four and five. And we stand in there in our like underwear, like flexing in front of these huts. <laughs> Right. And when I first moved here, I put that up on my like uh, Facebook profile as like my as like my thing. And then when anyone asked, I'd be like, yeah, that was my home, you know. Oh, my gosh. Is it still up? I need to go check oh, it out. Yeah, I'll, se- I'll send it to you. It's, it's oh, definitely there. But it's, it's just it's funny because it's like I think growing up in South Africa. And I mean, I don't want to talk about this too much because ideally I want to talk about you and your music. But. Um, growing up in South Africa, we seem to learn so much about Europe and America, yet I feel like not many people seem to learn much about Africa except for the obvious, and that is the the turmoil and the apartheid part yeah, of it. And, and it's, like, it's, it's really sad because there's so many good parts about South Africa too. And hey, well, if anyone's listening... Go and educate yourself because it's a beautiful yes, place. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, so. I'm actually making a nice cup of rooibos tea right now. Oh, for those that don't know, rooibos translates to red bush, and it is a hot boiled tea uh, that some people put with milk and sugar. I do, at least. That's and what I'm doing right now. Nice. Yeah. And it is fantastic. So if you ever get the chance, rooibos is what you should do. You boil yourself yes. a cup of that and go write some songs, baby. <laughs> yes, you know, my mother just came back from a trip. Uh, she went back to SA for like three weeks, and so she brought me a big pack of fresh pack rooibos, which is, you know, the best. Amazing. So Nashville's like one of the biggest musical cities in the world. Um, yes. How did you sort of start getting involved working in the music scene, and at what point did you possibly think that maybe this could be your career? You know, I've, I've actually never had any other job in my entire life. So, like, basically since I was born, I knew that this is what I'm going to do. That's um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, we moved. So my family and I, we moved to Los Angeles to begin with. Um, and we were there for, like, six months. And um, um, we met this lady, Ronelle, Um we had met her before when we took a trip because I, I was doing was I did a performance at the Holocaust Museum there before when I was like uh, like a year before we moved, hmm. um, and then um, and then we met this lady there, Renelle, and then she was like, "Hey, you should come visit me in Nashville," and so me and my mom we just we went and we just got on a plane and we went to go visit her for a couple of weeks and decided, yes, see, we love this place. And she knew a lot of people in the music industry and introduced me to a lot of people. And um, and I just, you know, we were just like, wow, we like this place. This is like, this is more our style, you know. Um, and, yeah, like it was it was great. And we, we moved not long after that, maybe a month after that we moved to Nashville. Um, and then, yeah, and then we've been here ever since. I mean, I have, I have moved, I've moved back to LA in between, but that was, I was like 21. But, um, came back to Nashville, man. Nashville's Everyone comes great. back here. Uh, it's, it's, I love the South. Just the South in general is, yeah. it's where it's at for me. Um, so let's just dissect this a little. So you kind of like, 
16, 17, I'm imagining at this point. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, you meet this lady and you, you come to Nashville and she's introducing you to some people and stuff. And you're performing. So you're performing as an artist, a singer yourself, correct? Yeah. And this is before I even started writing songs. I didn't even start writing until I was like 17, 18. And um, so like, what happened was I had my first writing session in Nashville. And my mom, I was just like, my mom was like, hey, guess what you're doing today? You're going to go into a writing session. I was so nervous. But it, um, I mean, it turned out great. And I just started writing more and more. And eventually I signed a publishing deal. And so I've just been, you know, I've had different publishing deals over the years with different companies. And I've just been, I've been like a, I've been writing. Yeah. And I mean, I mean I've, I've done my, like, I've done like the, like the pop artist thing, like when I was, you know, I was touring a little bit. But, you know, that life is really not for me. So do you prefer, um, you prefer the writing side? I really do. I mean, I do, I like to perform, but I, I just don't see myself going on the road. Like, like performing every night, like for hours. And I just, it's not my style. I like, I'm just, I don't know. I like to write songs, record, and then go home and drink wine and watch Netflix. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what are you watching at the moment? Anything good? Um, last night I was, I actually binge watched a show on, it was on Prime called like, I think it's called Boundless about discovering the West Indies from a different route from Spain or something. It was just like a like a six part or whatever Bob. And so I just like so I spent like six hours watching that. I just I can't stop something when I started, I have an issue. Yeah, isn't it funny how TV's changed since we were kids? <laughs> it really like, has. It's like, crazy. Like yeah, I used to have to like have a TV guard. <laughs> oh man. And 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 if you found a program you liked and if you didn't have a VCR and that program was like, I don't know, Tuesday night at six PM, you had yeah, to be you home by Tuesday at six PM. You could miss it and forever. Like, we're so spoiled now, man. People don't even understand. I um, know. We were like we had to like cancel all our plans and be like, This is my standing appointment yeah. for this specific show. Man, I remember I'd started gigging. I was like I was also not not too different in age of you i was like 15 16 and started gigging and and the first band i was in was really like we were workhorses we we had did, like decided like there was no way we weren't gonna gig and i think we did like a few hundred gigs in the first couple of years of of being in a band and man all of that kind of stuff like the social life aspect the uh the comfortableness of like watching I don't know, friends on a Friday night kind of thing. That that just all went out a window and you were just like, ah. Oh. Mm. So then when streaming finally came out years later, I was like, I binge watched all my like favorite programs and I was like, wait, I've never seen like half of these things. It's super cool. Yeah. Same. I, I know we really, really are spoiled now. Like, I mean, it's, I used to have to, I mean, I, I can't believe I used to have to wait like a week sometimes for the episode of something. Yeah. That's insane. Like, that is insane to me now. Like, it, it just, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I wonder if people could do it now because, like, you know, there's all these sort of research articles and stuff about people's attention spans and, and things like that. Oh, I, yeah, no, everything is, like, it's right, right at, your, at the tip of your fingers now. Yeah, it's got to be mean, instant. I mean, we still have to, like, wait for that bloody, uh, what should we call it, 
for internet and it was like, oh yeah so dial, up. dial up like i still yeah dial up and i used to have to go to the library to like research anything like go to the actual library and <laughs> we can do photocopies, <laughs> photocopies <laughs> oh my God. yeah yeah oh, wow. and you'd have to pay you'd have to pay you like 20 cents yeah. a copy or something huh? exactly <laughs> oh my gosh and then like sometimes i would like laminate stuff and like for my projects amazing <laughs> um let's let's talk about songwriting What's, uh, I mean, you've had major success as a writer. Obviously, the, the biggest hit um, you were involved with was Demi Lovato's Heart Attack. Um, now, we don't necessarily have to talk just about Heart Attack. I'm talking on the, the grand scheme of things. What's your thought process when creating? Like, do you go into a writing session uh, I suppose, let me backtrack this a little. Do you go into a writing session and what happens in that writing session just happens? Or are you going into more writing sessions as a, okay, we've got this pitch for such and such an artist, we're going to try to create for this. Or, hey, so-and-so is blowing up and I've got this song that might suit them. Why don't we try to write for that? What's your process? Honestly, it's always different. You know, um, it, it's not always, it's... <laughs> Sometimes it's for like TV and film stuff, and it's definitely something specific, you know, like a, going through these sessions a lot, and you, they actually send you like a list of words that they need to be in a song for that has to be, you know, part of the commercial, like, or, or just like an actual vibe about the song. I mean, I mean it couldn't get very specific for that. Yeah. Um, but most of the time I just, I just go in and, just always just come up. I don't know, like, usually there's, like, I work with a lot of track people that um, already have tracks made and then go through the tracks and pick one. That's more for, like, the pop stuff, you know. Um, and then we'll just, I'll just start singing a melody and usually just have, let's just have a mic in the room and just start singing and, and words kind of can naturally come around and, and then just go from there. I don't know, it is, it's, it's different every time. It just depends on what I'm doing. So in that situation, are you are you kind of more responsible for the top line than yeah. the song? And and how yeah. do how do you guys decide on how you split those kinds of songs? And I know that that's maybe a really detailed question. It's but different. It's different with everybody because it depends. Ugh, it, that is actually I don't even know how to answer that question because it it depends on what it's getting used for. At the end of the day, it's like it's gonna get actually get really ugly sometimes. Yeah, and it's it's uh yeah, but I mean I, I work with people that we we usually just split everything evenly, but you get people that are like really greedy and like it it gets it it can get it can be an ugly business man, and I just I just have my attorneys deal with that shit. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. Because I mean, see, you know, you, I don't want to burn bridges with people, but I want shit to be fair. Yeah, and you know, like when you just talk business directly with someone like that, it's just just it's not for the best. You have to have your representatives you know go back and forth and like that otherwise you can just make enemies because i mean i just don't have patience for people man <laughs> yeah especially if you feel like you've done a sort of large amounts in a song and yeah. suddenly they go well no it's 80 percent mine you're like wait what? yeah i'll be lucky and go oh, no that's not happening bro <laughs> so have you ever found yourself in a situation and if this is too personal then by all means I have like say. I have a couple times, but I didn't don't want to talk about that. Fine, we won't. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> L- 
let's let's kind of again we're gonna just kind of go back into these songwriting rounds and stuff because i find them fascinating i do a lot of co-writing and stuff and you know down here we don't call them sounds uh like like songwriting sessions and stuff we just a bunch of dudes in a room with a guitar kind of thing but i know in nashville it gets taken real seriously um mm-hmm. do do you find that like the the writing sessions come by organically like you you run into a writer in town and you're like hey we should write some songs and you start writing some songs or is it a matter of when you've got your publishing deals in place and when you sign with your pros and stuff like that are they helping set up these appointments for you guys What's, what's the yeah, deal? that's definitely. I mean, that's their job, actually. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of a lot of my sessions, I just, I actually really have like, I have like a group of people that I like to work with that I've, over the years that I've, you know, kind of just kind of stick to. That always, it's always good. Yeah. And um, and those people, and then you know that that person like will maybe bring in someone else that I've never worked with before just to change it up, you know. Yeah, that's cool. But um, I mean, we we just like. I don't know. I've been, I've just kind of set my own schedule because I just do whatever I want. Yeah. And it's the bonus of being self-employed, you know, it's the, it's the best part about it, you know? So let's put a a hypothetical situation in place. Like, let's say you and I get into a room together and we've never written together and both of us show up in the room and I don't have tracks ready. I mean, if you have a guitar, that's fine. We can go from there. All right, that's what I was going to ask. Is that pretty much? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's not always. It's not always tracks. You know, sometimes you you just sit around and you, you play guitar and you just you know you come up with a song, you write, you write, and uh, you just have like a work tape, and then you can make a track after that. Cool. Or you can make one while you while you're creating. You know, it's it's, it's really no rules. What about? I remember when I was in England. Uh, my publisher, she wouldn't take songs that weren't like demos. I'm I'm talking demos. She wouldn't take demos that weren't fully produced to pitch to artists. I mean, if she wants, it's, you don't have to fully produce everything. If if your publisher wants to pitch a song, if they like something that they want to pitch, you know, not every song is going to be a winner. So you don't have to fully produce everything that you make. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean, sometimes you just have a you just have a rough demo that you have. And if it comes up later for a specific pitch, you can, you know, you can do like the full demo work on that. But yeah, I mean, you don't have to waste your time doing a full demo of everything. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I've heard about Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I always found that quite appealing, you know? Yeah. Now, it kind of used to be that way when I first started writing. I used to have to demo everything. But it's just really a waste of money when you hire so many, like, Studio musicians, sorry, I'm eating fish. (laughs) No problem. When you're hiring studio musicians, and then, and then it just ends up being too much money. Yeah. So just keep it simple, and just you know, whatever is going to be pitched, you can make a full demo of that. And it's so easy now. It's exactly everyone's like computer stuff. Everyone's doing everything on their iPhones. It's like, like life is much easier. (laughs) Yeah. I remember having a dictaphone when I was in writing sessions. <laughs> you know, I still have a dictaphone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use it in writing sessions, but uh, I do still have the one I used to, you know, be, this is long for for the, for the kids listening who think that we always had voice notes on phones. Um, you know, I'd be walking around or, or driving to a gig or something and like suddenly you get this melody in your in your head and you're like, oh, shit. I gotta, I gotta remember that, and so I've still got that dictaphone. 
And thank I God for that thing. Someone in a box with the tapes and everything. Oh my goodness! Hey, you've probably got some hits on there, man. You should go through that stuff. Who knows? Or maybe just <laughs> you never know. Maybe I just have terrible things on there. Hey, you never. I remember know. making all my notes. Like just, I just, you know, I should go through those because I would be very interested what eighteen-year-old Nikki's notes were. Yeah. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, like like you just never know, man. You could have you could have really been on gold with some of that stuff. Not to yeah. say that you aren't on gold now. I'm not I'm not trying to imply No, that. but you know, I mean I forget. Like I mean I write I've I've written so many songs and like I sometimes forget of course. like stuff that I've that I've written and I'm just like I'm like, Wow, that is a great song. Like and I I mean I'm sometimes I need to just I feel like I need to get more on top of my shit. I'm like terrible with admin. I just had, I got a laptop about a year ago and then it got stolen <laughs> and it had like, I was so, I was like doing really well, starting to organize all my stuff, have my lyrics and my date of creation and all that stuff, <laughs> all the information and, you know, um, and then, yeah, and then it got stolen and I didn't back it up and I hadn't, uh, oh, I'm no. just old school and I, I suck. So now I have to start over again. That sucks, man. Um, yeah, it takes a lot to like for me to have enough patience to even do that shit in the first place. Well, especially because I'm imagining that if you're anything like me and you're a creative, so I imagine we're more similar than we realize, but you land up with hundreds of voice notes now, right? And yeah. you don't always have the time to label them because you may be singing in the car or you're walking your dog or you're doing something like that. And so you land up with voice note 603 and voice note 604. And, and so like at a point you land up with all these voice notes. And even if you do try catalog them, which, you know, I'm guilty of this. I know, you I have, have to tried. do it it's immediately. Like, I to. need to. Oh my gosh. I know this is like my goal now just to be better at that because it, it will make my life so much easier <laughs> yeah. in the future. If I just take like two minutes to do that immediately. I know. Terrible. Yeah. You and me both, Nikki. I saw that you had um you spoke to Cindy. Yeah, Cindy I spoke Alter. I spoke to Cindy. It was fantastic. She's the best. I, I, I love her so much. Yeah, she's incredible. And uh just it's what her a story. Today. I saw that. Incredible. Mm -hmm. I think I'm gonna see her tonight. Amazing. Please give her yeah. a hug for me and, and say happy birthday. Buy her buy her a drink on me and I'll I'll send you some PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> buy each other a Cindy drink and I'll Cindy send you both. I'll send anymore. you PayPal. I'll buy her a water. <laughs> I'll buy her a Subway sandwich. That's her favorite thing. No, you know what you should do? You should take her a cup of Roybos. Oh, you know what? I'll take her some, some tea bags. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what are some tips that you could maybe offer up and coming writers slash singers on, you know, like they they just starting up, they don't have a clue on how to start or become involved in the industry. What what would you sort of advise or tell them? Um, well, honestly, I think all these up and coming writers and singers are actually doing a really good job with all this, this like social media stuff that I'm, I'm terrible at. So maybe they can teach me something <laughs> instead. But um, you know, but honestly, just don't spread yourself thin. You know, always aim to be to do the best you can. If something's not if if you don't if you're not feeling something, just don't do it. You don't have to finish something that you don't like. You know, don't be afraid to start fresh. That's cool. But yeah, for real though, can someone please teach me how to use the internet? I suck at it. Well, you can't <laughs> be doing that bad. I mean, you got thousands of followers. You you you're doing just fine. I know, but I mostly post about food. Well, people love food. You got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's okay. Well, that's my other dream. Okay, I want to have a food truck. Okay, I want to have my own food truck. I want a South African food truck here in Nashville. That's actually and, uh, a brilliant idea, you know. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's lots of South Africans here, and we all support each other. We've got like our Facebook page. You know, we get together, we bry. Huh. It's cool. Yeah. That's damn cool. Maybe, maybe I should come down to Nashville sometime. Maybe you should get a get a buri roll. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, let's switch things around a little. I know that in addition to the writing and stuff, you still put out music as as yourself, as an artist. Um, yeah. Do you find it's been hard to push your own material when you know that other people could sing some of the songs you do? Or do you just kind of all let it roll in together? I just let it, I just go with the flow, you know. Um, I'm working on a, on a, a EDM project right now. Cool. It's going to be... Um, it's kind of a top secret thing, so I can't really say much about it ah, because shit. it's we'll, we'll yeah, I can't really say much about it. But <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's fine. But um, you 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 won't know you won't know that it's me. Let's oh, just wow. say that. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and and also cool because like you know I don't know if you've had the opportunity to listen to any previous episodes or anything. No, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't quite yet. But I'm gonna listen to the Sunday one right after this. Yeah, well, well, some 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 stuff that like I land up talking about with some people is. Just the the importance of diversity, you know? Like mm-hmm. you take some of the, the songs you've had placed and synced and, and things like that. You could so easily be pigeonholed and go, I'm only going to do this because I've had success. So the fact that you're trying to branch out and do different things and stuff, it's so cool. You know, yeah, I, I think- do all different things. I'm, I'm working with like a, I call him a hip rock artist now. Cool. That I've been writing with and working on his project. That's really cool. His name's Morningstar. Um, I post about him quite a lot. We, we're releasing a music video that I'm actually in the video. I'm playing a villain. I'm playing a villain. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing. I do like country stuff. I do pop. I do. I just. I do a lot of stuff. You know. And it's. It's. I don't want to only do one thing when I'm capable of doing so many things. Yeah. Why would you? I know. I'd get bored. And if you relate it back to food. And I think I might have said this in in an episode at some point. It's like, it's funny how some people, I I found this, I I was heavily involved in like the hard rock genre for a few years. And I found that when that particular project broke up and I started the next project, we weren't quite so hard rock. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the the group of fans or people that used to come and watch that particular band they really used to hate that. You know, it was almost like a, if you're not doing that, we're not going to support it kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's not cool. You wouldn't eat just a burger for the rest of your life. There's like exactly. pasta and there's, 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 <laughs> there's pizza and there's pancakes. I know, you and have to evolve and you have to, you know, yeah, change it up a little it's, bit. It's interesting, you know. Um, Nikki, here's a hard one. And uh, you can think about it if you want to, unless you maybe have one loaded and ready to go. What do you think has been the hardest part for you about being a musician slash songwriter uh, for so long? What's been the hardest part Mm. by this point in your life? Probably getting old. (laughs) 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 Um, How so? I know. I'm so not with the times right now. I'm trying, but it's it's really tough, and it's um, also it's just there's it's there's so much music being put out constantly. It's it's so hard for me to to keep up. I don't even 
I don't even know who who is who and what's what anymore. You know? So I just end up listening to eighties music in my living room and dancing around and yeah, that's cool. <laughs> to the old shit. No, but I mean it's yeah, it's uh yeah, it is it's just really tough. It's it's become extremely competitive because it's it's more and more and more artists being signed and more you know, it's just it's um, I feel like the market is just oversaturated. And the streaming thing is just making people way less money than they deserve, especially writers. Yeah, I mean, what's that? 0. 0.0003 cents? That's what it is. <laughs> oh. uh, I read a stat the other day, and I could be wrong, so please, anybody who might be listening, don't misquote me, but I read a stat the other day that a million streams or a billion streams, I couldn't remember, only equated to like four thousand dollars, and you uh, know, I don't even know, but I don't know it's not much at all. Well, you know what people don't seem to take into account with that is like, okay, I get if you get in those numbers across all the DSPs, then that's not bad. But when you have to give fifty percent of that to your publisher, or if there's numerous writers per song, mm-hmm. and then fifty percent is going to a publisher, and the rest is getting split. It's really not a lot of money. It really is a like the money thing is inconsistent. That's a that's a tough thing about being in this industry is like sometimes you make a good chunk of money, sometimes you don't make any money. So yeah. it's a uh, can get a little tough. Well, let's let's delve into that for a second, if you if you wouldn't mind. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go into your personal finances, of course, but <laughs> how how do you find? being self-employed as a like an entertainer or in the entertainment industry how do you find handling money has been for you you know we don't have the luxury of he has a certain salary you get every month he has your pension he has your benefits we don't have that so have you got any advice for people who are sort of delving into this career about just trying to handle their money let's definitely find yourself a good business manager because, I mean, us as creative people, we're not all good at doing taxes and all that kind of stuff that's very important, uh, especially me. So I have someone do my taxes. Uh, my mom actually is my business manager. She, she like, budgets all my stuff for me and everything. I, can't, I couldn't do anything without her because I would just be, like, living under a bridge somewhere, probably. <laughs> I see that you work um, quite... I don't want to say exclusively, but quite a lot at a studio. I unfortunately didn't write down the name. I think it's Red Star? Yeah, Red 3. Red 3. Red 3. Okay, Red yeah. 3. I work there a lot. Tell us about that. What's the situation there? Uh, what's your involvement there? How many days do you go in? What What's what's the... What's I don't the really have a specific amount of days. Uh, I do work with a producer there, a specific producer there. Um that's there all the time and we do a lot of work together and Red 3 is my publisher and yeah and they have like their own studio in town and it's really it's just easy so I don't have to like book studio time I can just go in whenever I want um to work with that with those specific people or um the other people I work with also have their own studios so I never actually have to like rent out a studio which is great that's very cool yeah and when you're going in there, are you like kind of doing what you mentioned earlier? You kind of going in there and helping mostly with top line kind of stuff, or yeah, are you? Sometimes are you, I mean, sometimes we just go in and like have drinks and just play around and have fun, you know. That's cool. 
Yeah, sometimes you just sometimes you just want to hang out and make music. Yeah, and just you know, just for fun, and then you know, sometimes something really awesome comes out of it. Here's like possibly a bit of a juvenile question to ask: with the amount of songs I'm imagining you've written at this point in your life, do you have any songs in your catalog that you were convinced were going to be hits? that maybe still haven't been put out or 100% had, few, quite a few. And, and what about, what about songs that maybe have done well that you, did you ever have songs do well that you thought, nah, no one's going to care about this song. And totally, 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 <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't want to say anything about that. I don't want to piss people off. Okay. No, yeah, I just I I always wanna... wonder, cause I, I've heard stories about sweet child of mine by, um, Guns no. Roses, you know. Tell me the story. Yeah. I want to know. Well, the story that I've heard um, fairly consistently over the years is that nobody else in Guns N' Roses wanted to release that song. And Axel was like, this is going to be like massive. And the, you know, the riff, the do 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 thing, that was like a, a finger exercise that Slash would practice backstage. And Axel kept apparently pushing to kind of turn this thing into a song and everybody just thought he was being full of crap, you know, but I mean, that that's become, I mean, Jesus, that's probably one of the biggest songs ever. It's so massive. I remember when I was 14 in South Africa, I was like doing, I was touring with a band and I know it's really young to be touring, but it was like no, a band, and we good. and we did like we did a bunch of covers, you know. And "Sweet Child of Mine" was one of the songs that I covered, and it was it, badass. People went crazy as soon as we started playing that song. People went nuts. It's it's one of those songs, you know. It's, it's it really of, is. It's like become, once that riff starts, everyone's yeah. like, "Fuck yeah!" Woo! Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just that kind of song. You know, I think it's one of the first songs on YouTube to ever surpass a billion views, which I mean, wow, again, I don't, learn I don't something know what, new every day. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if that I mean, again, they got to be getting some kind of or or who I can't remember who the label was that put that out. Yeah, um, I don't I, have I, should, no I should know, but I don't. But but I mean, I'm sure they get some kind of pretty kickback off that. But I'm I mean, sure billion, they've lived the rest of their lives off of that. I mean, oh. all of their music is badass. Yeah, man. Easy. Yeah, but that's like when, that's when music used to make like a shit ton of money. <laughs> well, that's what made Cindy's interview so kind of like just tough, you know, gut-wrenching in a bit. Because it's like, I always knew that Klaats did very well. Um, I didn't realize... I mean, again, I had heard, and, and if, you, if, if you go listen or if any listeners want to go back and listen on that, uh, to that interview, they can. But I had always heard that her manager had kind of screwed them. Yeah. And I didn't realize, though, just how bad, badly he screwed them. I mean, they sold 10 million records. We're talking late 70s, huh? I know. 10 million physical records. Like, just think about the money that that must have generated. I know. You know? Shit. I know. I, t- I talk to Cindy all the time. Actually, we write, we write songs together. We write together. And we're about to do our first performance together. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Wish I could be there, man. Um, what do you think has been the hardest part about being a musician for you? The what? 
the hardest part about being a musician? I don't know. That's a good question. Think about it for a second. We're not we're not on a time limit here. Um I, I can honestly I don't know how to answer that question. Fine, think about that. We'll switch it around. <laughs> what has been the best piece of advice you've ever received in regards to your musical career? Probably just to use it to channel like my emotions and just really be honest in my lyrics, you know, and not be afraid. And it really has helped. It's basically like free therapy. So, very, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when I started out, you know, I was, I was so scared to say something in a writing session. I was so scared to give my opinion. You know, it took a lot of guts. It, it took a, a while for me to be able to feel confident enough you know to you know just come out and give my opinion or give a melody or something because I was you know I was kind of like I kind of got thrown into it thrown into it a little bit so <laughs> and I was working with like you know people that have done for years and so I was a little bit intimidated at first but after a while I mean you know a few years yeah that's cool though you know mm-hmm. a, a kind of a sink or swim kind of situation I suppose mm-hmm. Um, hey, Nikki, I don't know if you want me to ask this next thing, but I, I do ask most of the people I talk to, if people want to get hold of you or, or maybe talk to you about doing some co-writes or, or anything like that, where is the best place for them to find you? Um, they can just send me a DM on Instagram. That's the easiest way. Because that way I can click on, I can click on their page. I can go see what they're, what they're about, you know? Cool. Cool. And uh, let's kind of start wrapping up with a, a slightly lighter-hearted question, if that's a mm-hmm. correct phrase. So you said you you listening to '80s music and dancing around in your living room. What uh, what in particular are you listening to? I don't know. I just put the '80s channels on with the with the music videos because I love watching '80s music videos. They're just incredible. They're just the best thing I've ever seen. So it's just whatever whatever comes on, and I usually just know most of it, but. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, come on, man! Everybody loves a good '80s video. I agree. It's see, some of the stuff are funny. Like, okay, so what's that one? Um, our total eclipse of the heart song. That I music that video song. is bizarre. It's the most bizarre video of all time, and I, I freaking love it. I feel That's like Lady awesome. Gaga like tries to be like her. Oh yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> and that totally reminds me of like a Lady Gaga esque like type thing. Um. Well, Nikki, we're going to kind of finish there. Thank you so much for your time, Awesome. Awesome. Thank Um, you. I'm sorry it took so long. No, not at all. No, I'm glad we got to do it. Nikki Williams, thank you so much for your time. I suggest that everybody check out the show notes so you can find where you can listen to Nikki's songs and find out more about her. But uh, for the most part, I would just like to say thank you so much, Nikki. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me anytime and keep writing and keep fighting the good fight and i hope to see you out there sometime man hell yeah rock and roll (laughs) bye bye sweets as usual i would like to thank my guest in this case nikki williams for her time i would like to thank each and every single one of you who are still listening to my podcast for your time i hope you're getting something from this i know i've said it before I I hope 
that that's the case, you know. I mean, that's the whole point, to try and just pick up these little nuggets of information. Uh, if you are getting anything, please leave us a rating or review. It helps us get found. For more on me, you can go to travismark.com. For more on The Musician's Mentor, you can go to musicians-mentor.com. Until next time, keep on rocking. Peace.